Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Al the Yeti Bones, and you are listening to the Yeti Podcast on YetiWakeUp.com. This episode is entitled Origins. Um, growing up, I've always had uh, a real admiration for how I got named uh, Alexander. Um, it's a really interesting story and the best way of telling that story I believe would have been through the voice of the the man who named me Uh, so that's my dad and uh, he's a really interesting guy and anybody that's ever met him um, even just once they've years it could go we could go 20 years um, and those people will always ask me how my dad's doing Um, he's had a lasting impression on a lot of people that he speaks to and he's like I said he's a really interesting fellow he's got a lot of life experience and some crazy crazy stories in his time which I'm sure we'll probably get into um, at a later date as well I'd love to interview him again Um, but uh, or let him speak because as you see as you'll see in this uh, in this episode he's he's a talker he's uh, you know I have the gift of gab through him Um, he doesn't even know what a podcast is so I think he had a really hard time uh, wrapping his head around you mean you just want me to talk you just want me to explain okay no problem so uh, please enjoy it's something to behold let me tell you it's pretty cool this is the origins of Alexander I think for me, I think for me personally, uh, it's it's an important piece of history, at least for, for sure, my own because knowledge. you're named after him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the you know, growing up, it was it was always I knew I knew of him, I knew who he was, but I didn't I didn't realize how how important it would become. You know. So. Well, I didn't realize either. Um, my father told me that in our family, the Petroviches, for centuries, for centuries apparently going back, the father's name, let's say, was Michael. The son's name was Milan. Milan whether he's the first child, the middle child, or last child, because in those days they had many children. But the one that received the name Milan will give the name to his son, Mihailo. I guess the same thing was true uh, if they had multiple kids, uh, where one would be Milos or Simisha, or Ljubiša, or whatever other Serbian name there was, each one would be giving a name of one of his uncles as well. In our family, it went Mihailo, Milan, Mihailo, Milan, Mihailo, Milan. So my father assumed that you would be Milan (laughs) and not Alexander. Right. 
That's interesting. He assumed. But then he also told me, you name him the way you want Whatever to name him. Whatever you want. Yeah. Since I was interested in his younger brother, or the youngest in the family, actually, Alexander, I was so interested in him that I wanted to find out more and I did by writing to the writing to Austria to the ministry mm -hmm. in Austria and they replied after I queried about uh, him dying at Mauthausen they replied that yes he died but he died under very harrowing circumstances uh, in a gas chamber. So let's go back to the Mauthausen. Let's go back to Mauthausen for a second. Uh, explain what Mauthausen is. Mauthausen uh, was a concentration camp in Austria. And during the time of? Second World War. Okay. So he, Alexander, didn't have a long life. He died at the age of... Uh, 20, he, 22? Uh, I think he was 20... Uh, you figure it. Uh, he was born in 1917 and he died in 1944. He died at the ripe age of 27 like so many great artists did. But the circumstances were never the same. No, they weren't. And this is what I want to tell you. When he was born in 1917, in Serbia, in Raška, mm -hmm. that region is today a still volatile region. Is it really? Yeah, because it borders Albania, it borders Republic of uh, Kosovo, it borders Bosnia-Herzegovina and Montenegro. It's one of the most volatile areas and has been for centuries. That area in 1917, being born at that time, was the worst time to be born because it wasn't only that Serbia was occupied, but at that time, its armies were all, and the government and the administration, the king, uh, the prime minister, uh, the military generals, everybody was in Salonika. What's that? Salonika is in Greece, and uh, they were. Uh, Sconced in that area militarily so that they could open up a front, an eastern front, and fight the Germans, the Bulgarians, the Austrians, the Hungarians, and other allies of the Axis, of the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire and the German Empire at the time. 
Furthermore, there was a uprising called Topola Uprising in Serbia in 1917 that was squashed by the Bulgarians, the Hungarians, the Austrians and the Germans at a very high cost of life to the civilians because it was a civilian uprising. And uh, so when he was born, he was born under very uh, traumatic uh, Fucked up circumstances. Uh, time. A good student and an excellent chess player. He even played the champion of the world at the time, um, a Russian who happened to flee from Bolshevik Russia when the communists came, Alekin, what is his name? Defeated Capablanca and many other great uh, chess players of the day. And he went to Serbia and even came to Raška where uh, Alexander lived and played against a team of people the towns I guess best players and one of them was Alexander and uh, Alekin asked him he says do you want to draw because he saw he had difficulty with with Alexander and Alexander refused the draw he says I want to play to the end mm -hmm. so he was left last and he played Alekin, and Alekin, of course, defeat, defeated him. Yeah. But he had a chance to draw with Alekin, and he refused. So that's the story that I got from my father. Nice. Yeah. I think it's funny because uh, a lot of uh, when you start realizing how chess is played and how it's properly played, you know, there's there's moves and strategies memorized that you know it's almost like a blueprint of the board you know you know exactly how how to react if somebody moves this way you know how to start the game and if you start the game in this way and if you're a well-schooled chess player um, and uh, well-read on the game of chess when someone does move in a certain way they recall back ah yes this is the Bobby Fischer move of uh, 19 you know what seven whenever he uh, whenever he was champion um, you know what I mean? Like, so there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. these like pinnacle moves that right. seem to be held on a pedestal and like they're, they're kind of like, uh, they've become almost like an art, yeah, you know, yeah. this, the strategy. So it's, it's pretty interesting with, with chess. I've to, always... to put it in perspective, uh, the game was played in the 1930s. Perfect. Yeah. Just, uh, you should know. So he was probably in his, just in his, so he must've been, um, at least 10 years, no, uh, uh, I wouldn't say 10, about eight, eight years younger. Yeah, that would make sense. A teenager or, or in his 20, yeah. if that, yeah. When did he join the military? When did he join the military? Uh, he didn't join the military. He, he was more of a scholar. He was, uh, he was caught in a in a military situation when the Second World War started um, as you know uh, whole of Europe 
from 1939, most of Europe was occupied by the Germans. From 39 to 1941. Actually, the Second World War was fought. You can say the English, for example, the Americans and the Anglo-Saxons, the English, they date the Second World War from 1939 to, 19, uh, to 1945. Germany invaded Poland in 1939. Germany also was fighting the English in 1939 on different fronts. Then they started occupying. They didn't really need to fight. They just entered Austria. They entered into the Dutch countries. Uh, they entered into Norway, Sweden, and most of Europe. And then they fought the French in 1940. They fought the French in 1940. And in 1941, in April, they gave the Serbs, or the Kingdom of Yugoslavia, the option of allowing them to cross over their territory and occupy Greece. And the Kingdom of Yugoslavia accepted uh, because they had Prince Paul as the monarch, because Peter the second uh, of, of Yugoslavia was too young. He was 16 years old. He wasn't yet 17, and he was just about to turn 17. And there was a coup. What's that? A coup is a military coup where the army decides to take over the government. Okay. And they deposed uh, Prince Paul and uh, they took over the government and they told the uh, Germans, no, you're not going to go over our territory. We're not going to be neutral. We will fight you. And uh, April the 6th, the Germans went ahead with their blitzkrieg uh, and they uh, took over Yugoslavia in a matter of a week and a half or something like that, very short time. Uh, it fell just like other countries fell. Some of them fell in even in less than that. So it was no surprise because the Croats were already on the side of the Germans and the Slovenes and the Albanian minority were on the side of the Germans. Everybody almost was on the side of the Germans. Everyone except the Serbs. So when that happened, there was also a civil war that occurred because in Raška, where you're close to all these enemies, so Alexander joined the Chetniks and the Chetniks were uh, guerrilla yeah 
group and he managed to save Jewish lives one Jewish family he saved but then at night they came to his house and they uh, arrested him the uh, Gestapo the German uh, security intelligence service whatever they're called the Gestapo and the uh, Gestapo they took him to uh, Austria and he spent three years there and a little more and then he was gassed so at 24 he was captured hmm? at 24 he was captured yeah at 24 he was captured at 27 he was uh, uh, gassed in the chamber because at Madhausen it was a work camp so you had to work you had to uh, it was like a quarry and in that quarry apparently he must have fell hurt himself and uh, damaged uh, his legs uh, his legs got amputated um, he had gangrene didn't he? yeah and gangrene set in and to facilitate things and get, you know, dispose of him, they threw him in a gas chamber. It's too young. Tragic shit. Yes. Um, okay, so moving, moving forward then, just looking at it from such a bleak aspect in a, in a point of view, which isn't, um, isn't filled with much hope. And, and dad, uh, I mean, my father uh, didn't know. He only found out in '45 that uh, his brother died at Mauthausen, but he didn't know how. Right. And eventually, I found out in the. Uh, I think it was in the late 1990s when I started writing letters. To the Austrian ministry, foreign ministry, yep. and found out. So he was on a list? Hmm? He was on a list? Yeah, he was on the list. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to get into. Um, I wanted to get into this more. Now, fast forward, you know, however many years. Uh, let's get to the 90s. To the 1990s, you wrote this, these letters to the. Uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Yeah. Um, and you received word back that he was on this list. Take us through uh, what had happened afterwards, the next the next several pillars of history, which, you know, I mean, dates back now, you know, in my generation. Now it's my time. You know, I remember this when I was a kid. I remember uh, receiving, we received the the certificate or whatever the you know and he's oh, actually he's uh, actually now on okay at that time uh, coincidentally at that time when I was writing to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, Israel decided to award Christians or non-Jews uh, the same uh, an award uh, uh, that they have uh, you know saved lives and so different countries for example uh, 
Italy, Poland, Belgium, whoever saved a, a Jewish family. Whoever stepped up. Yeah, stepped up and, uh, uh, and saved a Jewish family, they would uh, uh, receive a certain recognition. And the recognition was a medal uh, and uh, a certificate. And that's what we got, uh, our family got. And uh, Alexander was responsible in saving the Jewish family by removing them, finding another uh, safe. place, safe house for them. That's when he apparently, afterwards he got caught by the Gestapo. So I found out all these things uh, in time and... Um, so he stuck his own neck out on the line. He stuck his own neck out on the line. Yes, yes, yes. Which is family. very, uh, very interesting that, uh, yeah. Yeah. He didn't care very much. Uh, he was, you know, a man of justice. He wanted to see justice prevail. Whatever cost. Yeah. He's one of those heroes. A rarity among uh, people. Not only Serbs, but any nationality. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, sure. it's a rare gift. Absolutely. So he um, he's on a wall now, right? He's on. Yeah, he's on that uh, wall of the. Uh, I don't know how they call it. Uh, slips my mind. In Jerusalem, where is it? Uh, in Jerusalem, it's, yeah. It's yeah. the Holocaust. Yeah. Holocaust uh, Museum, I guess, or uh, yeah, park. It's a park where uh, Righteous Among Nations, it's called. The Righteous Among Nations Park, yeah. Interesting. The Righteous Among Nations, yeah. You were named after him before I found all these things out because you were born in 1980. Yeah. In 1980, there was no Righteous Among Nations uh, program. Uh, it, that was instituted later on. They may have had, you know, it might have been an idea in somebody's mind. Who knows? But uh, there was nothing formal that was set in, 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 in stone at that time. So I named you long before that, and I also named you long before I even found out that uh, uh, that uh, Alexander died under such circumstances, such horrific circumstances. So I think that by not following tradition, I may have done the right thing, I believe. Thanks a lot, Dad. That concludes our uh, episode for today um, on the Yeti podcast. This is yetiwakeup.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.